listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. They hate me. I hate them. I hate everybody. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. I could definitely see a little disappointment in the Gorney household Saturday night. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show. We are coast to coast with Adam Gorney, uh, Rivals National Recruiting Analyst on the West Coast and on the East Coast, Mike Farrell, Rivals National Recruiting Director. So, Mike, we're gonna we got a few topics we're gonna jump into. First, we want to talk about Butch Jones and something we haven't talked about on the show before. And that's leadership reps. I'll let you uh, get into that. Yeah, it's hard to lose the bye week, but I think Tennessee lost the bye week. Um, you know, Butch Jones came out with leadership reps, which apparently are non-physical reps that you can do to get better and it just reminded me the whole champions of life thing and just more fodder for people to make fun of him i don't know why he keeps coming up with this stuff um it just doesn't help i mean he's under so much pressure and scrutiny right now they made a quarterback change we'll get to that in a second but um what do you think of leadership reps scorning i mean they're my type of reps you don't have to physically do anything yeah i kind of like it like five star hearts i think he said one time and so uh (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think he also said that it was the best bye week they've had in years. So, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, you know, he just continues to say odd things. And then then veterans on the team came out, I think, today or, or last night and said that they're all behind Butch Jones. And what else are they going to say? Of course, they have to say something like that. So this is shaping up to possibly be a South Carolina win. Uh, you know, the the like we we're going to talk about the quarterback situation. There were rumors that Dormady had, had quit the team and then he showed up at practice yesterday and that was a big thing. And so I don't know if Jared Guarantano is the answer to the, all of the problems that Tennessee has, but uh, yeah, Butch Jones just keeps saying odd things and, and no one's really buying it. I mean, everyone's, everyone knows it's just coach talk. That just makes no sense. There's a lot of rumors about that. Everything. There's rumors that, you know, Dormady was promised, certain things in the recruiting process and then Garantano was promised certain things and he hasn't lived up to either of those promises it, it the quarterback situation is starting to remind me a little bit of Sumlin and the way that was mismanaged at um Texas A&M and I think it's you know been mismanaged so far I mean listen I know they wanted Gar- Garantano to win the job at the you know when he took those reps against UMass but Dormady's not the solution, hasn't been the solution since very early in the season. I think that's pretty clear. They don't trust him. Now's the time to make a change. Um, you know, maybe Gorantano didn't do as many solid leadership reps as he should have, but now he's got the job. And, uh, you know, he's more agile. He's, he's more athletic. He can extend the play a little bit more. Is he the solution? I don't know. So I guess the big question is, if they lose to South Carolina, does Butch get fired then? Uh, or do they wait until Alabama rolls them and then fire them? But these next two weeks, it doesn't really look great for him surviving. Yeah, I think it all depends on how they play against South Carolina. Coming off a of bye week, I think everybody, including the administration, hopes that they've made some sort of reset. I think that's why Butch is really kind of talking up a bye week, that everything is fine now and kind of a last-ditch effort to hope that it that it goes well. I mean, coming off a 41 nothing loss to say that you've had the best bye week in years and you have a quarterback change and you have to have your veterans come out and say that they support you, that doesn't sound like a very good bye, bye week and not a lot of good leadership reps coming out of there. So uh, if, if South Carolina you know, 
goes in there and and pounds them and rolls them, you know, he could be gone before Alabama. And then, you know, some sad sack interim coach has to come in and deal with Alabama the next week. Yeah, I think, honestly, the best thing to do would be just ride out the season, let it fall apart if it's going to fall apart, um, and then figure out from there. You're not going to really get a head start, um, you know, unless Chip Kelly is your target or, or somebody who's not currently coaching right now. But I don't think Chip Kelly is the fit and the guy they want to go with. And I think they really need to take their time with this hire. Um, you know, Butch wasn't their first choice. Uh, he was the choice in the end. And, you know, I mean, his record – isn't horrible. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, the ver- the very real problem here is if they pull a rabbit out of a hat, only lose to Alabama, they could win the rest of their games. They go nine and three, and you're going to fire your coach. Well, and that's been the problem the last few years. And they won't fire him. I don't think if he goes nine and three. I don't think they want to fire him. But the last few years, they've always well, last couple years. Last year, they were predicted to win the SEC East. The year before, they were the dark horse to win it. You know, they started off poorly, and then they would you know, a mid-season form would be poor, and then they'd run off a bunch of victories at the end. And he'd get to nine or ten, I think it's nine wins each year, and um, keep his job. Not that he was under fire like he is now. Uh, what is this, I think year five or something, of Butch? So, I mean, once you're in year five, you really expect to have won a division by now or in this world. But uh, I tweeted out something the other day about Butch's record versus a guy named Jim Harbaugh over the last nine games. Butch is six and three. Harbaugh's oh Harbaugh's five and four. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's it's just funny. Like when you get on that hot seat and people become disgruntled, and you've been there for a long time and sort of worn out your welcome. And we can get into the the, the numbers as well with Harbaugh and Brady Hoke. Um, they both have twenty four. I believe it's twenty four and seven record after thirty one games. Uh, Hoke. I tried that one once, and uh, no one seemed to really bite that. <laughs> they won't. I mean, you can't. But but still, I mean, the same record after 31 games. Hoke had a better record versus rivals, uh, but Harbaugh is nowhere even near talked about, you know, in, in any manner as, as being on any seat that's less than ice cold, and he shouldn't be. Whereas, you know, Butch Jones, 6-3 and three in his last you know, nine games, his record isn't too far off. I think he's got maybe five less wins over that uh, three-year period than Harbaugh. And his seat is scorching hot. So it's all perception. It's all expectation. And the expectation in Tennessee was after the recruiting classes, Butch was going to take them to the next level and he hasn't done it. So let's get into Harbaugh, though, because I wrote something that is, you know, online uh, defending Harbaugh saying, I think in two years we're going to look back and he's going to be laughing at everybody who's questioning his record the same as Brady Hoke and questioning his record versus his rivals and all this other stuff. Because I really do believe that the pieces are in place, not this year after losing so much, but next year or the year after that to make a run at the playoff. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think he needs to recruit a quarterback, uh, John O'Corn was just basically throwing the ball to Michigan State. He was doing his best Tanner Lee impression out there on Saturday night. Michigan State looked tougher up front, and they shouldn't have because, uh, you know, they don't recruit at the same level. They just seem to be coaching better. Harbaugh's 1-4 and four against his rivals. That's obviously not good. If Brady Hoke was 1-4 and four against his rivals after three seasons, pe- people would be going absolutely crazy. And no one is saying that Jim Harbaugh is not a better coach. You know, there is some 
thinking out there that this, you know, people don't want to admit this wasn't what they were expecting Michigan after two and a half seasons of Harbaugh. They were expecting him to go in and pummel everybody. I mean, Purdue was in that game late. Uh, Michigan State beat them at their own place on a Saturday night. Um, and so, you know, the offense really has, has no game to it at all. Um, they can't, they don't have an explosive running back. They can't really throw the ball. Uh, and obviously the defense is great with Harbaugh and Don Brown. And yes, I do think Michigan will continue to push toward that playoff, but I don't think Penn state's going anywhere. I don't think Ohio state's going anywhere. And obviously they've had trouble with Michigan state. I think you just said D'Antonio outcoached Harbaugh, right? Oh, absolutely. So did he outcoach, uh, well, he did. He outcoached Irvin Meyer a couple of years ago in the rain game too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the guy who was, what, 4-8 and eight last year that's fallen off, you know, everybody's top 10 coaching list, I think he was at the end of mine, uh, is a, still a pretty good coach at Michigan State. And, and there's still this one problem is that division, you know. And, and I say he's going to break through because I think I think everybody in that division is going to have their, their turn. I mean, Ohio State has obviously won a national championship. Michigan State went to the playoff. Ohio State went back to the playoff. I think Penn State's year is this year. Uh, and then I think it'll be Michigan. I think that's how talented that division is. But if there's one thing that's been proven this season, at least in watching teams like like Florida State um, and, and Michigan, is if you don't have a good offensive line, there's nothing you can do on offense. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what type of offensive genius you are. There's just nothing you can do. And that's the problem at Michigan. They were able to beat the, the weaker teams. But when they faced a team which had a pretty active defensive line and some really good linebackers that fly to the football, they were done. Yeah, and I just want to make it clear that uh, I respect Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I think he has Michigan going in the right direction. But two and a half years in, I think everyone in Michigan was hoping to make the college football playoff at least once, if not win a national championship. And and they don't look like that team right now. Except on the fort on the Wolverine.com. We'll all tell you that this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the plan. We lost 10 starters on defense. We lost our senior leadership uh, uh, at, at many positions on offense. And this was just sort of a rebuild year. And next year will be great. So um, if Harbaugh pulls the veterans and makes them say that they support him, then then, you know, he's in trouble. Uh, he'll never do that. They might need some leadership reps. Imagine that. Imagine him coming out with leadership reps and five-star hearts and stuff. I mean, he does, you know, he does sleepovers and stupid stuff, but he doesn't, he doesn't fall for that mamby-pamby, you know, everybody gets a trophy garbage. Um, No. You know, and speaking of garbage, let's segue into Gary Anderson's text about his assistant coaches, which to me sounded like a guy texting his therapist and not a guy texting a reporter. I mean, if you read some of those texts, it was just, now I have to respect him for one thing. Okay. He's an old school guy. He's a little bit nutty. I think, you know, walking away from Wisconsin so quickly and then, you know, walking away from $12 million guaranteed or whatever. You know, you have to respect the old school approach that says, I'm not doing a good enough job. I don't deserve this money and I'm gone. But my goodness, there's also this every after every loss or every close win over Portland State or whatever, these text messages about how his assistant coaches stink. And this is I'm not going to die doing this, (laughs) this, this expletive and all this other stuff. I'm like, he's in therapy. That's therapy talk. I think this reporter was his therapist. 
It's like me reading your text to me. It's it's like uh, kind of the same thing. <laughs> Mine are much more desperate uh, yeah. and, and much meaner towards my assistant coaches. I thought the really strange thing was it wasn't that this reporter and coach had this off-the-record relationship. The, the reporter said that he's going to use these, and Gary Anderson was like, okay, use them. I mean, he didn't care. And it was like after every game, he would just, you know – blow off steam to this reporter through text messages about how the, the assistant coaches couldn't recruit, how they stink, how they're, how he's going to get rid of them, how he's laid down the law and all this kind of crazy stuff that you would think he would just keep to himself. I thought it was very interesting. And then for him to just walk away like he did, um, Oregon State wasn't going to fire him. What, what's Oregon State going to do? Obviously, they're having a terrible season. They have no quarterback. After Jake Luton went down, they can't really do anything on defense. Uh, the next step was for Gary Anderson to fire these assistant coaches. I don't know why he felt loyalty to these guys and then wouldn't get rid of them. Um, but, you know, Oregon State wasn't going to fire him after this season. He could have kept collecting money. I respect him for doing that. But, uh, you know, it does sound like a little bit of a, you know, an odd thing for him to be sending text messages to a reporter like that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've dealt with a lot of coaches over the years who have lost big time recruits that they thought they were going to get. And, you know, never did they cry in their beer and over text message to me and say, <laughs> I really thought this kid was my friend. And I I, 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 I blame, you know, the, the defensive line coach didn't do his job closing this deal. And the head coach, like, come on, like, you cannot do that. To a coach, you could do that to family. You could do that to your your spouse, but I mean, not 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 to a reporter. So it was just and it and it was one of those things, Mike, that he was like, "Oh man, I, I'm not going to die doing this. I'm getting out. I, I'm tired of this." And then the next day, I'm fired up and we're coming back. Well, and it was just like an emotional that's, roller coaster. That's me every week. I mean, every every <laughs> Wednesday, every, like. Like every Wednesday, I'm like, I'm so tired that I'm done. I'm I'm not gonna die doing this. And then Thursday, I'm like, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Yeah. What am I gonna write <laughs> next week? What other crap can I come up with next week? And uh, you know, it's just it's an emotional roller coaster. I, I get that part about it, but uh, I just don't text people about it constantly <laughs> and let them know my deepest inner dark dark places and thoughts so but anyways nobody cares about oregon state so i don't want to dwell on it i just thought it was really yeah. kind of weird the only thing i found weird coaches complain about assisting coaches all the time coaches throw people under the bus every second of every day uh just the fact that he had this relationship with this reporter where he could just sort of like friendshiply that's not a word but you know it just exchanged these thoughts and and i just wonder what the reporter said back to him that's what i'd like to see because i guarantee you the reporter probably said it's okay gary it'll be all right yeah you know i mean you're doing a good job ran the ball well tonight yeah i mean it'll be okay so let's get to the nfl quarterbacks for this season because this was the year of the quarterback remember the year of the quarterback i still think it is everybody's poo-pooing I should say crapping because poo-pooing, if Dave very actually gets that drop and I say poo-pooing too many times, that's going to be at the beginning of this podcast. But I think it's been a good – I mean, Darnold's been a disappointment. Josh Allen was a fabricated joke. Uh, but Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Falk, Rosen, uh, even Lamar Jackson to some extent have been good. So – Let's talk about it. How many first-rounders are there, Gorney? 
I think there are probably two, uh, maybe three. You know, Rosen's a first-rounder. I think Darnold will still be a first-rounder, although that is becoming more unclear. Josh Allen, and, and someone came out this week and said that Josh Allen has the strongest arm they've ever, ever. seen. Ever. In the history of quarterbacks, he's the, he has the strongest arm ever. Again, I, I'm just not buying it. I, no one's going to take Baker Mayfield in the first round. Mason Rudolph has a, has a shot if he does well at the Combine. Lamar Jackson's very interesting because he's so dynamic and athletic. But like we saw against NC State, any throw he needs to make downfield is th- thrown 10 yards out of, out of bounds. And Luke Falk is interesting. Kind of got pulled against Boise State earlier this season, but he's a guy who could sit in the pocket and throw it all over the field. So I don't think it's a bad year at quarterback. I think the expectations were so incredibly and unfairly high on these guys um, that, that they've come down to earth a little bit. And a lot of guys who had huge seasons last year, like Darnold, um, are making tougher throws this year and not having as big of seasons. Um, but I just I just don't see how anybody takes anyone other than Josh Rosen as the first quarterback. Well, again, it's going to come down to the interviews, and we we know a little bit about Josh Rosen, and that's yeah, that's going yeah. to hurt him. And, and listen, I mean, when you talk about arm strength, you know, you talk about a guy like Jeff George, and you talk about a guy that you know also had a bit of an attitude, and you know, didn't hurt himself obviously draft wise, but um hurt himself through his career because he just was a little bit petulant. Rosen's not petulant. He'll just tell you what you don't want to hear over and over again, directly to your face. And the problem he's going to have is he has that reputation. And when he goes and and does all of these interviews, and if he says everything everyone wants to hear, then it won't be good enough because uh, he's just making it up because he's saying, you know, he's lip servicing people. Yeah, but the good thing is that he will not say everything everybody wants him to hear because it's right. virtually impossible for him to do that. I think there's going to be as many as four, possibly five first rounders because the, the NFL is so desperate for quarterbacks um, and because it's a pretty good draft class. And there's some other guys that are going to emerge, not really as first rounders, you know, like the Nick Fitzgeralds and the Riley Ferguson's of the world. The guy that I look at and continue to look at and say, what am I missing is Baker Mayfield because he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers, the greatest, you know, quarterback who just continues to rip out the hearts of all Cowboy fans like myself. Um, I'm saying the swagger, the lack of size, the ability to improvise, the field vision, just doing things you don't expect him to do. I know they lost to Iowa State. That wasn't their, that wasn't Baker Mayfield's fault. That was the horrendous defense. Um, but Mayfield won't get in the first round, as you mentioned. Uh, I don't think he will, but I think he should. I think Rosen Darnold will. Somebody will take Josh Allen because of this hype and this is this arm strength thing. You know, Ryan Ryan Mallett had a great arm. How'd he do? That yeah. was great. Yeah. You know, uh, Jamarcus Russell had a cannon. How'd he do? You know, it's just this. Now it's what it is. It's these people who all said Josh Allen is the number one player in the draft and the best quarterback. Now that he stinks, now that he's shown nothing against power five programs, now it's the arm strength. You know, eventually it will be something else and he'll fall out of the first round, but maybe someone will take him. Jackson. Yeah, the interesting the interesting thing about Baker Mayfield, Mike, sorry for interrupting, is 
He's in, he's completing 75% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. So he's not trying to do too much. Uh, I wonder how many of those throws just dump offs and let people run or really easy throws against big, bad big 12 defenses. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, he's not getting the credit he probably deserves and being in the discussion, um, you know, Darnold has, I think nine and eight, you know, you know, the difference Darnold is six foot four and he's what? Two twenty five, two thirty. Yeah. Big, strong kid. Mayfield is not, you know, Baker Mayfield is, is not very tall. Uh, but again, when you look at that draft where Aaron Rodgers slid to the late end, end of the first round and we, you know, remember that draft where the camera was on him every pick, he got really ticked off and he's making and the, the world pay now. The vaunted Ohio State defense at Columbus at on a Saturday night, 27 to 35, 386 and three touchdowns. And none of those were dump offs. I mean, not none, but yeah. not, there were a lot of really good improvised plays there. He handled the best, and I'm doing air quotes here, best defensive line in, in college football, which is not true. Uh, but, you know, they're one of the top five defensive lines in college football. I just think somebody is making things up about Josh Allen and somebody's holding a grudge against Baker Mayfield. But it's not a personal thing. It's just the way scouting works. You know, a guy has to really if you've got something set in your mind about a guy, he has to really prove to you over and over and over and over again for you to get that out of your head. If you suck as a scout, of course, I'm amazing. So I don't get stuck in those ruts, as you know, through our meetings. I'm never, never, uh, you know. You never lock on a guy. Never yeah. lock on, and I'm never hard-headed and, and all that stuff. And and it's easy for guys to prove me wrong because I admit I'm wrong all the time. But anything, something's wrong with, with the Mayfield evaluation. And, and Lamar Jackson will be interesting <clears throat> just because now people know what to do, you know. So will he slide? Uh, or will we even get to the point where people talk about him having to play a different position, which wouldn't be out of the realm of ridiculous? I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think it goes that route, but people do know what to do. They make him sit in the pocket, they set the edge against him, they don't let him get out, and they make him throw down the field, and that's not his forte. But we should move on to predictions and locks for the weekend, which we could also blend in the letdown spots. See how I did that? Yeah. I guess you did. Now, let's make Dave Barry. Uh, he probably doesn't even have it pulled up. We made fun of Dave. Uh, I don't know if you heard us, Dave. Made fun of you while you were gone. Oh, believe me, All I right. heard it. Well, that's what we do. We're trying to get the nice guy out of you and, and trying to, like, you know, have you, you know, just lose your your stuff on, on the podcast. But it's not not happened yet. But. Have you looked at these at all? Why don't you scan through and pick your outright upset? That's a team that is not favored, and usually by a touchdown or more. That's gonna win. Yeah, and the you game. can't you can't do what Mike does. Like he'll pick West Virginia over Texas Tech. It was a fourteen week. point dog. It has it, as long as it's seven points or more, you, you can do that. So, uh, well, Gordy, who's your outright upset? Oh, we're going outright upset as, right might now? Might as well. I mean, what the hell? I know it's Arkansas over Alabama, so just say it. <laughs> um, God, these are tough. I, I, got, I think Oregon has a shot. I got, I got one. I think, I think Minnesota's going to beat Michigan State, and I think Minnesota's going to beat them at home. 
And there's no way on earth that should ever happen because they just, what, didn't they just lose to Maryland or something? Um, and Purdue, didn't Purdue just beat them? Um, Purdue just beat them by two scores. Yeah, but Michigan State, as you mentioned in your little note here about letdowns, Michigan State's going to be on the road. They just beat Michigan. I think Minnesota is a trap game for them. The line is only four, so it doesn't really qualify. But Michigan State's ranked. Minnesota's not. So I would say um, Minnesota is my pick. See, I like Georgia Tech over Miami. And a lot, a lot of people are I like this game now. So it probably will be a Miami blowout. Just coming off a big win over Florida State, undefeated. Having, you know, not necessarily a short week, but after celebrating the Florida State win, a short week to deal with an offense that is very, very difficult to deal with. Um, I, I I do think Miami's front is very, very good and can handle them. But Georgia Tech is a good football team, and I believe a point away from being undefeated as well. So, um, you know, I, I could see Georgia Tech going in there and, and beating Miami. They lost to the leadership reps. They, they lost to leadership reps early in the season. And when they, in a game they should have won. So they should be undefeated. You're right. And I, listen, I've, I've never been really a big fan of the triple option or Paul Johnson or any of that stuff. But they're a good football team. But that being said, you picked a Thursday game, which is great because a lot of people will listen to this Friday and Saturday morning. Uh, you know, thousands will listen to this those those times. And they'll all see what a complete moron you are for picking that. So that's awesome. Dave Barry. No, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Miami is twelve thirty on Saturday. Wait, I'm seeing it's uh, Thursday, Thursday, October twelfth. No, not according to the Yahoo Sports app, which is never wrong. Oh my God, don't even get me started there. This this was a game that was uh, I don't know. Listen, what do I know? I don't know either. It says Thursday the twelfth. What do you want from me? No, you're right. Well, you're right. It does say both. <laughs> it's <just> Saturday <laughs> at three thirty and then Thursday at. Oh god, that's funny. Maybe they're playing twice this week. Well, this this <laughs> was the series. game. Wasn't this a, a postponed game from earlier? I don't from, know. I from the that. hurricane. So maybe it is Saturday. Whatever. We don't even know when games are. We're so stupid. <laughs> Dave Barry, take this podcast out of the ditch and put it back on the road for us. All right. So you know who I like uh, is I like Oklahoma losing twice in a row. Texas Ooh. has them at home. They see that they're vulnerable. They see that they can can be beaten. Texas is playing not too bad lately, uh, playing with some confidence. So I like Texas at home to pull and the upset. And they're uh, seven and a half points they're getting, so that does qualify. Well, neither mine nor Gorney's, I think, qualifies because Miami was a six-point favorite, and I picked a four-point dog. So, uh, you know, that's a good one. I don't think you're right. I think Oklahoma's really, really mad. And I think they're going to do everything they can, especially with Lincoln Riley versus Tom Herman, to run that score up if they can get on a roll. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? I mean, Oklahoma shouldn't have lost to Iowa State, and, and Texas probably shouldn't have beaten Kansas State. And both those things happened last week. So looking up and down here, it's obvious uh, Clemson's going to beat Syracuse. It's obvious Washington State's going to thump Cal. Uh, Kansas State TCU should be an interesting game. Uh, Kansas State should be angry, but they're not a very good defense. Um, Kenny Trill Hill be out, so that's going to be a problem. Yeah, and Trill Hill has been uh, excellent. Indiana, Michigan, uh, NC State. What about LSU? I mean, everybody's all over Auburn. They love them. Now they have to go to LSU, which has a pretty good defense themselves, coming off a huge seventeen sixteen win at Florida. 
don't know. Well, if you're if you're an SEC fan and you're not a fan of Alabama, you have to expect your team to let you down because that's what happens every year. Yeah. So now Georgia's not going to get let down against Missouri because Missouri is just a god awful football team. And by the way, Missouri was one of the teams that I picked as a potential surprise in the SEC. So that shows you exactly how much I know. I thought this offense was just going to come together and roll. I thought the defense would be improved, and they just stink. Um, but, oh, the defense is just, oh my just God. hideous. It's awful. It's like Texas Tech from a couple years ago. Remember West Virginia from like six, seven years ago? <clears throat> like yeah. like me, you, Dave, and, and, and eight other guys could put up like 50 on them. It's just yeah. bad. Now, Auburn, <clears throat> everybody's on Auburn. The line's seven. It's at LSU. That's an interesting one. That could be a closer game, closer than the experts think um, type of game. There was one other that I saw here. Uh, well, it was Utah and USC. I think Utah can give USC some trouble, uh, even though they well, lost Michigan last getting week. absolutely no respect as a seven-point favorite at Indiana. Yeah, well, that's because the offense is just garbage, and uh, the offensive line is garbage. And Indiana's actually played pretty well, with stayed within – at least within shouting distance of a few teams for a little while there. But that is a lack of respect. But Michigan's the number 17 team in, in the country now. They're no longer in that top 10. <clears throat> um, Purdue-Wisconsin should be an interesting one as well. Uh, I think Wisconsin will just run right over them. But Purdue has been a big surprise, and they're they're actually fun to watch for the first time in, in forever since probably Drew Brees was there. And then there's Nebraska-Ohio State. you got to mention it, 24-point line. At home, you're a 24-point underdog. That is bad news for Lincoln Riley because that line seems very, very large. Mike Riley. I mean, not, not Lincoln Riley, Mike <laughs> Riley. And, and I think that could be like, when you see a 24-point line like that, that could be like 45 to 7. It could be just a yeah. drubbing. Lincoln, Nebraska used to be the place to go where teams would die, and then Wisconsin went in there. Scored 38 on them by, by just basically running the ball right at them the entire time. And so if Ohio State wants to go in there and put a big number on them, I think no, there's nothing to stop them. That's why I said Lincoln Riley, because it's Lincoln, Nebraska. It's not Alzheimer's at all. It's just <laughs> that. I think that's good, though. Dave, you got any more uh, gems? No, I think we, we kind of talked about the ones uh, I was looking all at. All right, well, before we go... Since you missed Sunday's podcast, I want you to do 25 leadership reps um, between now and the next podcast, which should be Monday. Um, and I want those to be good quality leadership reps. I want you to watch Greg Ladke cut video. Um, I want you to do watch. we get a bye week from our podcast? <laughs> no, we don't get a bye. We, we play straight through. And then um, I want you to watch Dave, uh, uh, Nick Kruger cut video and Kristen Pete cut video. I want you to get a lot of leadership reps and. Just, you know, you don't have to physically do any video. Just just become a better leader by watching others, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like I get leadership reps just by being on the podcast with you guys. Well, so. that's so nice of you. That's just We just crap on you, and you're so nice. Yeah. I'm a it's nice true. guy. We're done. All right. Well, let's get out of here. We uh, need you guys to leave us reviews on iTunes. That'll help us out a lot. Uh, and hit us up on Twitter, at RealDaveBerry. Uh, Farrell is at RivalsMike and at Adam Gorney. So with that, we will see you guys again next week. 